Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And he comes to the very end, he says, hey, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. And Paul's desire that the Lord Jesus would be with your spirit, that you would be, you'd be right with the Lord. Um, second, grace. That, 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 that special, uh, just grace, the goodness of God is, is God's unmerited favor, God's grace to you. He said, grace be with you. When life is good, it's easy to rely on ourselves. But what about when the bad comes? Oftentimes, it is in these moments that we resolve to doing the things we hate. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that life isn't always going to go your way, and you need God to get you through your difficulties. Instead of waiting to turn to Him in your moments of greatest despair, follow Him today and be ready for the storm. God will never leave you and wants to get you through your tribulations. Let Him lead you into eternity. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Revenge is one of those things that's it's part of human nature. You know, in the Old Testament, you, Jesus had to put a limit. He says, hey, eye for an eye. You know why he did that? Because if he didn't give a limitation, he said, eye for an eye, if you took my eye, I'm taking both of your eyes. He's just one for one. Don't, don't, don't go exceeding the, the measurements. But in the New Testament, he said, look, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. Leave it up to me. So if you're a vengeful person, if you find you always out there getting people back, you got to let people know. Understand this. You can never get revenge in the spirit. You always got to be in the flesh when you're getting people back. If I'm getting you back, I'm in the flesh. It's when I let it go. It's when I say, you know what, God, that hurt. I didn't appreciate it. It was difficult. I'm having to die to my flesh to let it ride. But I'm going to just give that one to you. That's when we just move out of God's way and say, so, God, if there's anything you want to do, I don't believe we do that and hope. Oh, God, get them. You know, I hope you smash them. I hope they crash their car. I don't believe that we're to be dumb like that either. But God says, I'll, I'll deal with it if you get out of my way. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So back to our story here, uh, verse 14. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. It's believed that Paul's imprisonment here in Rome was partly due to the testimony of this Alexander the coppersmith, that he had said things, that he had put him out there. Some people believe this is the same person spoken of in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, when Paul says these two men have gone shipwrecked from the faith. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 1, 20, it says, verse 19, it says that to having faith in a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so some people wonder if it's the same Alexander, um, this person that used to be with them that, you know, Paul had to deliver over to Satan that he might not blaspheme. And now he's, you know, continued against Paul. We don't know for sure here. He's specified as Alexander the coppersmith. Um, it may be the same guy, maybe a different guy. Uh, it, it, at least I wouldn't want to be an Alexander at this period of time, nor Judas or any of them other names. So, um, but Paul is saying what he did is going down in history. Look at verse 15. He's warning them as well. He said, you also must be aware, beware of him for he has greatly resisted our words. And so some Christians have a hard time with Christians naming other people that have done harm. But I told you guys many times in Paul's letter, Paul will put people on blast. Hymenius, 
Alexander, he said, he just gave their name. He may give their region. Paul said, look, y'all need to know. He said, this Alexander guy did me harm. Y'all need to know. Y'all be careful with him. Uh, be, be careful. Be aware of him. He's warning the believers as I go. He said, he, he greatly resisted our words. They came against us. And so it's not evil. It's not wrong if it's done for the right reasons. At this point, Paul said, I'm, I'm naming him to cause the rest of the body to be healthy, that you guys would be aware that this guy is dangerous. He's resisted our words. He's not sound in the faith. He's not sound in his belief. So be careful about him. And there are people within the, the, the Christian world that this, they're not good for. I mean, there are people that, people, hey, what do you think about this pastor? I don't think you should listen to him. Whack. It's a false prophet, false teacher. He'd be lying on God. He'd be saying things that the Bible don't say. He won't say what the Bible do say. Is it wrong you name them people and people say, oh, you a hater? Oh, you're, you're coming against them because their, their ministries are big. It's like, no, I'm coming against them because their ministry is, is false. Paul said, look, I'm going to just say it out there. You know, I won't feel bad about it. It's okay to warn people. Hey, hey, that guy is a false teacher, if you didn't know. Uh, and I, as a pastor, I'm always hearing people, oh, I was, I was looking at TBN. Ooh. I always cringe. So, they, so little good on TBN, so little. And some people think that's what they do for their spiritual health. I watch TBN. Read your Bible all day. TBN is, is, is a bad place to sow all day. If y'all didn't know, it's a bad place to sow all day. There's some other networks, uh, some things you can pull up on your computer, but that's a bad place to sit down all day and say, I'm going to just take it in. So many false teachers, so many wrong beliefs. You'll be mixed up word of faith. You'll be thinking everybody's supposed to be healed. You'll be thinking you're supposed to go get your, your you know, you'll be praying. You'll be getting prayer cloths for $50 and waiting for your anointment and, and all this type of stuff. It just, you'd be all messed up. And you'd be at church saying, I don't know why, why we don't run around the circles. You <laughs> Why we don't roll on the floor, you know. Why we not all going, you know, you know, and, just be careful. Be careful with that network. Love y'all. Um, but yeah, there's more bad than good. And so we want to be cautious with that. And there are a few guys on there every once in a while that speak the truth. But it's a few every once in a while. It's like Christmas and New Year's. So, so he says he's greatly resisted our words. Going on verse 16, he says, at my defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me may not be charged against them. Now, this is difficult. Paul said, look, at my defense, when it was time for me to go and be at the stand trial, um, nobody came to get my back. Nobody came to trial and said, it's not true what they're saying about Paul. Nobody said, nobody stood with me. And I would just say, I mean, the same thing happened to Jesus. Nobody was standing there with Jesus. When they, when they took Jesus, nobody stood with them. They were afraid. And when Paul gets brought to this place where he's going to be, basically charges are going to be brought. He brought, got brought to trial. He says, nobody stood with me. By myself. We'll see he wasn't completely by himself, but there were no human, human beings standing with them. What can we gain from this, you guys? That we have to be willing to stand by ourselves. Um, some people only, this is a terrible part of, it's a terrible way to live your Christian life where you're only willing to step out as far as somebody will stand with you. What do you, do you think? You think we should do? Okay, I'll do it too. You think so? Yeah, you, okay, you too. Um, you can't live your Christian life like that. Sometimes God's going to call you to do things that nobody want to stand with you in that. Nobody else can see what God is saying. Nobody else understands the call because God called you. Sometimes you're going to be in difficult places where people say, you know, just, just don't just do this other route. That's so hard. That's, that's going to be bad for this. And you're like, no, God called me. Nobody's standing with nobody's standing with him right here. But we'll see that the Lord was with him. And when you step out in faith and obedience and you end up in a place where nobody is standing with you, it's a difficult thing, but it's a great thing. 
Um, as I read this, I thought of there are a few times in my life where, for the most part, um, I felt totally cut off and unsupported by the people that I desperately wanted their support. Um, and I look back and those have been some of the most pivotal, important moments in my walk with the Lord. Um, when my wife and I, the church that we were going to when we first got saved, um, when the Lord spoke to me to leave that place, only church I'd ever known, that's where I had been baptized. The pastor married me and my wife. I started, I, I preached my first few sermons at that church. I mean, it was important to me, that church and that pastor. Um, only pastor I'd ever had, loved him. And God was saying, it's time to go. And I remember going and saying, man, the Lord told me that it's time to go. And it was like immediate. Uh, first, he said, well, you need to really pray about that. I don't think I don't think that's what God said to do. And I'm like, OK, I'll go back and pray. And I went back and prayed again. And this is what I got from the Lord. That second time I went back, God spoke this to me. I've already spoken to you. I was very clear what I spoke to you. Either that man is going to be the Lord of your life or I'm going to be the Lord of your life. But I told you what to do. And it was very clear the struggle at that point was God saying, can I lead you? Can you do what I say do even though you don't have outside support? And I bring that one up because it was the one time in my life where I didn't have any support. Uh, my wife, that was the only kind of church she had ever known, a little missionary Baptist church. So when I told her, she was like, no, she started crying. And uh, so she wasn't feeling it. Uh, I went and told the pastor. He said, nope, I don't think it's from the Lord. Then my friends at the church, because they want you to stay, were like, oh, man, just stay. And I'm going back to the Lord. And the Lord said, I told you to go. And I remember just it was lonely. I remember I remember just going ahead like, all right, I'm going to just go. And I went to tell the pastor, you know what? I'm sure God he said, all right, then go now. Don't come Sunday. Don't say goodbye. Don't talk to nobody. Just go. I was like, well, I can't come say goodbye to people. No, let's go. You said God told you to go. Go. And that was it. And I was hurt. I was hurt over that. And then I'm taking my wife to the new church and she didn't want to leave in the first place. So she's there like, how come they do this like that? How come they seem like that? And she didn't say it just like that. She's going to be mad. But, you know, it was pretty much that was the attitude. You know, it was like she wasn't she was not with me. And I remember being there like, God, you messed up my marriage. Even I'm at this church. I don't know nobody. Like, I'm like, what, what did you what did you do to me? And in a little bit of time, it all just healed up. But there was a moment where God says, I, I stand with you. I told you, you did what I told you to do. And. We have to be willing to do that sometimes. You might not, all the people you want their support, they might not offer it. But if you hear from the Lord, you need to obey the Lord. Amen? And so Paul was obedient to God. And he says, as I've obeyed God, I ended up in a place where nobody's still with me. But that's okay. Verse 16 now. Oh, again, he said, at my defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. And he prays for them. May it not be charged against them. Right? He doesn't say, God, get him for flaking on me. He said, man, man, not come against him. I wonder because Paul was there when he had, when they threw their clothes at Paul's feet and they stoned Stephen to death before Paul got saved. And Stephen prayed. When he prayed and he saw heaven open up in the Lord, he prayed that God wouldn't get him. That God would have mercy on them. Right now, Paul is saying, God, I don't, God I'm not praying that you get him. Um, I pray you don't charge it against him for leaving me hanging like this. You know, Jesus said from the cross, if Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They don't know what they do and forgive them. And so Paul says, forgive them. I'm, I'm not looking for God to get them for leaving me hanging here. Verse 17, and it's so important. It says, but the Lord stood with me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. And that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. Don't miss that first part. He says, but the Lord stood with me. 
when nobody else stood with me, when everybody else forsook me, when everybody else was scared, everybody else left me hanging, but I stood, I didn't stand alone, God stood with me. And sometimes in our lives, the most, I mean, the most meaningful time we're going to have with the Lord is when we find that it's just us and him. Everything else has been removed. There's no support elsewhere. People aren't excited about whatever you're doing. No one's standing with you. And you find that as I stand in this place alone, God's with me. Think of the men. Think of the women. Think of the people that have put themselves in positions where it's just them and God and how they experience the Lord and the depth to which they experience the Lord. Because when nobody else stands with the believer, God has to. God's out. No one else will support you. I'm always going to support you. I'm never going to fall back. I'm never going to dis- disappear. I'm going to be there in the dark hour. I'll be there in the difficult moments. And so he says, you know what? No one else was with me, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. Right. In those moments where I'm sure Paul was a human being, I'm sure there was fear. I'm sure there was physical famine and need and hurt and all these different things. But he said, you know what? God not only stood with me, he strengthened me. Right. He gave me what I couldn't have without him. God gave me strength to do what I was called to do. Don't miss that either. That it'll be, it's difficult to walk the wall God calls us to walk. But as you just get walking it, you'll find that as you get going, God strengthens you, right? It won't be your strength, it'll be his strength. His strength is made perfect in our what? In our weakness. When we are weak, he is strong. And so God says here, look, I mean, Paul says that the Lord stood with him and the Lord strengthened him. And he says, also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. There's a lot of controversy on what that means. Was, you know, some say, well, Paul couldn't have been thrown into the lion's den because he was a Roman citizen and they couldn't have done that to him in the Colosseum. Uh, some people say the, the lion was, you know, delivered him from the devil who's called a lion in First Peter 5, 8. Some people say it was the system at the time. However you want to read it. You know, I read it. I like I'm kind of a, a, a straightforward person. God says, Paul said that God delivered me out of the mouth of a lion. I'm just going to take that for what it is. I don't know if at some point Paul was threatened with going to the lion's den or put him in a situation, but he says, the Lord delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. I got consider a mouth of a lion. And what does that mean for a human being? That probably means your death. Uh, That probably means you, you, you dinner, you're being devoured. His God delivered me from that. Now, why did God deliver him from that? But doesn't deliver him because Paul's going to die at the end of this whole thing. Um, Some people forget that for the believer deliverance is death and death is deliverance. We're not all going to be delivered of everything on earth. The best day for the believer when you believe it right is that when you die, you meet the Lord. And so some people say, well, God didn't heal them. He let them. They died of their cancer. They were delivered. They were when they were when they died of their cancer. What happened to the moment they died? They went to be with the Lord. Were they, were they, are they are they got cancer in heaven? They healed. I know some people that are in wheelchairs. I know they can't when they go to heaven, wheelchair gone. I know some people that are blind. But when they go to heaven, they go see. First time they'll ever see is in heaven. I'm, there are people that are deaf. There are people with all kinds of physical maladies and ailments and all these different things, but they're saved. They belong to the Lord. When they die, they're going to be with the Lord. No sickness, no suffering. Nobody's going to be, everybody will be healed. And so some people for God's purposes are healed down here on earth, um, but all of us will be healed eventually. What's our worst issue? Is it physical sickness? We got a sin sickness. You'll be healed of that. First time you'll ever be sinless when you get to heaven. You'll never sin again. Imagine that. Imagine everybody here. Think about your sinful self. Think about that junk you be doing, that stuff you be thinking, the mistakes you be making. Think about when you get to heaven, I'll never do it again. I'm not even going to want to do it again. Like I'll never sin again. My sin nature is going to be gone. You're not going to get to heaven and sin and mess up. I used to wonder about that. Can I get to heaven and mess up and get kicked out? 
like the devil did? No. You won't have a sin nature. Praise the Lord. I mean, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that kind of ruin it a little bit? If you thought, because I know me, I know that I'm prone to mess up. If I could mess up, I'll get to heaven and mess, I'll be the, I'll be the one to get there and it'd be like, you got kicked, you got kicked out of heaven. Oh, man, you, you made it all the way to glory and got kicked out. Shame. That's one of the greatest thoughts to me is that when I get there, I'm never going to mess up again. I'm going to be probably for the first time, I'll be absolutely holy. Be pure, be righteous, be clean, um, perfect. Because not because of me, because God has done it for me. And so moving on, um, verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So not only is the Lord deliver me from the mouth of that lion, but he will deliver me. He'll deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. So even though Paul's going to die for his faith, he's going to be killed. He says, God's going to deliver me from every evil work. So how does that work? Well, I, I, Paul's got to get to heaven. And so for Paul, it's he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. But when you have that perspective, Paul's not saying, well, you know, God's deliverance means that I'll never die, that I won't be beheaded or I won't be killed for my faith. He says, look, I'm going to be delivered. God's going to preserve me. God's, I'm going to be with God. He's going to preserve me from every evil work, preserving me for his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And so if death is the means by which I get to be with him, then Paul wasn't trying to get away from death. Paul could have avoided this whole situation 20 times by just shutting his mouth. He didn't have to be here. He's here because he said, I don't care. I'm not worried about death. Death, the threat of death is not going to shut me up when I got a message that needs to go forth. And so Paul went forth with his message and it it ended him up here. But he says, God is going to preserve me. God's going to keep me and I'm going to get where he's taking me. Closing comments. He names out several more people. And so I want to quickly run through them. Verse 19. He says, greet, greet, greet Prissa. That's Priscilla and Aquila. Um, and the household of Anisiphorus, Priscilla and Aquila, you can look them up in Romans 16, 3. They were a ministry couple that had been faithful. They had moved around. The church had many times resided in their home. They had been responsible for discipling up other believers and strengthening others. They strengthened Apollos when they saw that he had a gift but just needed to be taught a little bit better. Paul says, greet them for me. He says, the household of Anisiphorus. He, um, he's mentioned earlier in 2 Timothy 1.16, greet his whole household. Um, these must have been just friends of Paul. Um, verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Um, the, uh, this Erastus person is also mentioned in Romans 16.23. Um, some believe that he was a city treasurer in Corinth. Um, and that's where Paul had met him and, and, and he had come into the kingdom. Um, it says this Trophimus, I left him in Miletus sick and I don't have a whole lot of time, but just consider the apostle Paul had been used to heal people all play all over the place. Remember in one place as Paul walked by and just the, the, his handkerchief sweat, you know, people was getting healed. There were times where God was moving miraculously like that, but it wasn't all the time. This guy right here, Trophimus, this is one of his guys and Paul has to leave him behind and Miletus sick. Um, now, for those that believe that everybody gets healed all the time, why, why did he leave him? Why he didn't just heal him? Why Paul didn't just speak it and let it be? If that's the case, um, it's not the case. Sometimes God is working through illness. Sometimes God is allowing human weakness. God allows people to be sick. Sometimes God, for his glory and his purpose, heals people. We don't know why, when. We, don't, we just always ask. I say, God, would you heal them for your glory, for their benefit? Uh, we ask, we seek, but we leave it to him. 
Uh, is it always God's will to heal people? No. I know people that are saved because they got sick. So their body broke down, but their soul went to heaven. But when they were whole and healed, they was going to hell. And so I've seen God work through illness. I've seen beautiful saints, love the Lord, sweet people, sick and die. So we just have to be careful with that because that, that gets people really messed up. You know, you start feeling like, well, if God's supposed to heal everybody, then when he don't heal somebody, how come he didn't do it? And then the people that make that lie, they got to make you feel bad. Well, you didn't have enough faith or something you were doing wrong. You were doing some kind of sin. Who ain't doing some kind of sin sometime? Just think about the trip you put on somebody that's like, the reason there's some sin. Is it that thing I thought? I mean, how long do you got to go perfect and holy for, the, for it to work, you know, and, and have people all tripped out and people be dying and people be mad at God because somebody lied on God and said he would do what he didn't say he would do. Everybody's not going to get healed on this earth, but everybody will eventually be healed. Amen. And so he left him in my leader's sake. Verse 21, do your utmost to come to me before winter. Paul realized that if you don't get here before winter, we probably not going to get together. Ebulus greet you as well as Putin's. Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren, um, all those names, it's, it's believed that those are from their Italian names, that they're probably from, from the church in Rome. But these are people that Paul's greeting on his way out. And the last thing he says in verse 22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. When Paul leaves, as he leaves his life, as he gets ready to enter into heaven, He's dealt with all these relationships that he's had, some good, some bad, some that were bad and went good, John Mark, some that were good and went bad, Demas, um, some that were just standing with them, Luke, Titus, other people that he had left and sent to other places that were in cities continuing the work on his behalf, recognizing that in a really dark time that while nobody humanly stood with him, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And he, he makes sure that we know that we knew that warning of the, the Alexander, the, the coppersmith who did him much harm and those who would oppose the work and stand against it, just warning him, letting them know, be careful about this guy. And he comes to the very end. He says, hey, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. And Paul's desire that the Lord Jesus would be with your spirit, that you would be, you'd be right with the Lord. Um, second, grace, that, 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 that special uh, just grace, the goodness of God is, is God's unmerited favor, God's grace to you. So grace be with you. Amen. And I just want to close with this word on grace. Um, we can, it's one of those words we can use so much in church circle that we forget the impact of it. But every single one of here is a recipient of the grace of God where God has been good to you when you didn't, you, beyond what you deserve, beyond what you earn, beyond what you're worthy of, beyond what you merit in and of yourself. And he says, grace be with you. It's not just that you be understanding that God's shown you grace, but that grace would be with you. Um, and I believe this, that as I've been shown grace, God has been good to me beyond what I deserve. Um, in the work of the cross and his continued work in my life, God's grace has been applied to me. But that can we be gracious people? Can we do good for people that don't deserve it? Can the grace <clears throat> that has been shown you flow through you? Um, every, every one of us, when we bad and God says, I'm going to be good to you anyway, we love it. Oh, grace. But how many of us can God have somebody do you wrong and you be good to them when they don't deserve it? And just be gracious. Uh, I challenge you this week. Look for an opportunity to be good to someone that don't deserve it. And don't rub it in their face. Don't say, well, I'm only doing this because pastor said be gracious to somebody. So here, you know, hope you enjoy your meal, you know, but find you someone that's undeserving of your goodness and just choose. I'm gonna be good to them. I'll be really good to them. 
not because they deserve it, but because God did it for me and I'm going to do it for them. Grace. Grace be with you. Um, obviously, grace, we've received grace, we're recipients of grace, we're thankful for grace, but let grace be with you. You be a gracious person. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has moved into 2 Timothy. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young preacher that he has trained in the gospel. Paul's life was characterized by suffering as he went through the world preaching the gospel to hostile crowds, and he didn't want Timothy to lose heart because of it. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he reminds the young pastor, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Have you ever seen a believer you respect suffer at the hands of others? Maybe unbelievers or even Christian leadership. How did you feel? Were you tempted to lay low? Or did you guard the good deposit you have been given? We're so glad you're here today on A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community, and we'd love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you this coming Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. or on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, poke around a bit and discover everything we have for you. Thanks for being here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time, and we hope you'll be too for a transforming word. Oh,